Okay, thank you all for being here tonight. We're celebrating our candlelight service, and if at some point before we really get started, you want to go out there and grab you some atole and a cupcake or something, feel free to do that, and you can bring it in here. We do permit eating and and drinking in the sanctuary. Just try to be really careful with it if you can. And uh, we're going to have an evening of worship and song and worship through the reading of God's Word. And I was kind of looking over some stuff as I was preparing a message for this, and I found a quote from Jared Wilson. And it starts out this, I suppose there is something about indulging in the religious Christmas routine that lulls us into thinking we are dwelling in Christ when we are really just set to seasonal autopilot, going through the festive and sentimental motions. And I hope that if that is us, that tonight we are ready to shift that focus here this evening. If there is anything to direct our hearts and our minds' attention to, it is to worship Him, to worship the only one who is worthy, the one who reigns as our eternal King, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so this evening is a time for us to proclaim our adoration and worship of Him in songs that center around the Savior's birth, but it is really impossible to sing or even speak of a Savior born without singing about the good news of our salvation that Christ brought to us. The reason that He came was to save us and free us from the bondage of sin. He was the Word become flesh who dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the good news of the gospel of His coming is also set against the bad news of our eternal condition without a Savior. We are utterly lost with no way of getting near to God without the intervention of a perfectly holy one who would stand between us and the Father's wrath, paying the price for our sins and saving us from eternal condemnation. He is profoundly worthy of all of our worship and praise, so let that be our focus for this evening as we sing, as we pray, and as we read scriptures together and reflect. Let it all be worship to Christ the Savior. So I'll get our worship team to come up here. We'll pray, and then we'll start out with the reading of Scripture. Father, we come to you this, mo- this evening, and we thank you for an opportunity together once again and to celebrate your coming to this earth. You were the God-man who became flesh, that you dwelt among us, that you, as the saying goes, or as the Greek term means, that you tented among us, and that you concealed your glory under this wrapping of flesh, and that you came uh, not just to live a perfect life, but to be the atonement for our sins, the sacrifice that was worthy as the payment for the penalty of our sins. The wages of our sin were death. And God, we are so thankful and grateful for what you have done in giving us the gift of your Son. And we celebrate and we worship him tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening. Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Isaiah 7, 14. Oh, you do? Cool. All right, so. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and awed Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of Of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. 
Let's go to Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. You can read along with me on top there. It says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, <clears throat> whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace.
Redeemer brought to raise us from our shame. And now the highest praise of all belongs to Jesus'
Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this.
Next scripture is Luke 2, chapter 2, verse 1 to 21. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it were heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight day, eight days. When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Amen. Thank you. I just want to start off by thanking our worship team. Um, they put a lot of time into putting these songs together. Now, Stephen couldn't be here tonight, but he kind of pulled them all together, and then the worship team practiced diligently. I know uh, put a number of hours into practicing the songs for you tonight. Thanks to those of you who read scripture for us, and thanks to Nick for keeping it all together back there. Um, he, he typed all the, the scripture in, so <laughs> he put a lot of time uh, into this as well. So thank you all for, for giving your time and your service to God tonight. So as we have sung and we've read uh, numerous parts of scripture, we've read a lot of prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the things that foretold of him. And we read of the, his Jesus' Jesus's birth in Bethlehem. And we see, and I hope we have all seen this, is that when Jesus entered into this world, everything changed. And it's difficult almost for me to comprehend how from eternity past that the Father decreed that one would come to save us from what we inherited in the fall, that we are born in with a sin nature on us. And as God is the Son, that He would not just come in some random accidental way, that He came according to a plan, according to the prophecies foretold of Him. And the Father laid out a plan to send the Son, 
the Son who was with the Father from the beginning. The Son was not a created being that the Father suddenly came up with to just plug into a plan that he haphazardly threw together because he was worrying about what he was going to do about man when they fell into sin. No, but a Son who was there with the Father formulating the plan from the beginning. And as we read, or as we read from the prophet Micah, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old from ancient days. It speaks of God's divine decree to send a Savior in eternity past. Before anything was ever created, God initiated a plan. This plan would be the greatest news for mankind, a plan that was set in motion to save mankind and redeem him back to God. And that is Christ. Christ became our redemption. <clears throat> and if we look at that word redemption, redeem means to compensate for the faults or the bad aspects of something. But it also means to gain or regain possession of something for payment. That wages have to be paid by someone in order to redeem and the wages that we must pay, that we must owe up to, is the wages of our sin. That we all, apart from Christ, are lost in the tragedy of the fall, which is our sin. So there will come a time when the bill is due for the wages of that sin. But then in comes Christ. And He offers up the payment free for us. And it's free in the sense that we don't pay for it. We don't work for it, but it is by His grace that He gave Himself up for the payment. And that is God's grace. That is His unmerited favor. We did not do anything to deserve this. But it does not mean that it came to Him for free. We sometimes throw out that word really carelessly, that free grace, if you will. But it came at a great cost to our Savior. Now, what started out as very meek and humble beginnings for our Savior, had eternal purpose behind it. After the prophet Malachi, we encounter silence from the prophets. God was not speaking to man through them, and for 400 years, we would not hear from God speaking through the prophets. But only the next time that He would speak, He would speak in a much more profound way through His one and only Son. In 1 John 1, 1 through 2, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That is why God, the son, Jesus Christ is called the word of God. As I began this, I drew our attention to the Word of God who became flesh, who dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This was Jesus. And the silence of 400 years was interrupted by the birth of a baby who was to be God's Word to mankind, the Logos Word of God. The Word became flesh. And we might ask ourselves, why did God not send a fully grown Jesus into this world just to be the, the lamb of our redemption and die for our sins. Why did he have to come as a baby? 
Well, we read about these prophecies that foretold of him, and for him to truly be the Messiah, he would have to fulfill every one of the prophecies in the Old Testament that spoke of a Savior that was to come. And so he had to come as a baby. He had to be born in a stable in, the, in Bethlehem. He had to be of the line of David. And all of these various prophecies, I think there's some 300, he would have to fulfill every one of them. And if he missed out on just one of those prophecies that foretold of him, then he wouldn't be of the Messiah. And the chance of one person fulfilling all of those prophecies just by random chance would be one in a, compared to a number of quadrillion or gazillion it's too high to even count. No one could just randomly come in and fulfill all these prophecies, but Jesus, it had to be a miracle of God to send his one and only son. And the second reason is that he had to live as we do so that he could be tempted in all things as we are, so that he would show himself as God by being sinless, though being tempted in all things, and thereby prove himself worthy of the sacrifice for our sins. That he would be without sin because the Lamb of God had to show his sufficiency as the once and for all payment to satisfy the wrath of God towards mankind's sin. In Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. So from the cradle to the cross, Christ's entire life proved out that he was our Savior who was sent by God, who being God himself would provide the perfect atoning sacrifice for our sins, his perfect plan to make the provision that we would need to have eternal life with him in heaven. And the night of Jesus' birth, the angels declared to the shepherds, peace on earth and good will towards men. And that was one of the things that Christ did for us. He ushered in the peace of God because you and I were enemies of God apart from Christ. Scripture says we're at enmity with God in our sin because, but because of Christ, we could thereby have peace with God through the redemption that is Christ. In Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is only in and through Christ that we have a peace relationship restored with the Father. <clears throat> From the cradle to the cross. Our shepherd protects his sheep. We have been rescued from the grip of sin and its consequences. And knowing that the security that he offers us is eternal. That is the knowing that we have in Christ that we are protected from the spiritual death that the wages of our sin deserved. As we read in Micah, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall be secure. That we will be held in his hands, released from the grip of sin, and now in the mighty grip of our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. In our modern cultures, we try to give gifts to satisfy a need or a want. And often, we don't really know what a person wants, so we might try to buy multiple gifts. Just how many did you buy for Marily Jesus? I mean, this is... <laughs> we try to find multiple gifts, these material things, that we hope will satisfy a need that they have. And maybe in some sense, especially for non-believers, we might think 
that some material item that we can give someone might provide some wholeness in their life that will satisfy them completely, that will just be the perfect gift that we might land on. But we know, and I think all of us know here, or we should know here, that there will never be a material gift that will fully satisfy us. The God-shaped hole that we have is a spiritual longing that cannot be filled with things. For the satisfying of our souls, we have the singular gift of Jesus Christ. He is all it took. He was sufficient to close that gap between us and God, restoring that relationship that was severed by sin. God knew exactly what we needed because he sees the condition of our hearts. I can look at Ray or I can look at Noah and I can see maybe some fruit that they produce, but I truly don't know the condition of our heart. I don't know maybe the sin that lies hidden within them, but God does. And God knows the remedy for that sin. In Romans 3, 23 through 25, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. In Christ, God brought, he put forward the gift, the gift that would pay the debt that we could not pay and restore us into a right relationship with himself that we might be justified before God. And it is only through faith in the perfect singular gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you haven't celebrated already, some of you may celebrate on Christmas Eve. Some of you may be going home to celebrate. And if you do that with the opening of gifts, then I challenge you to be reminded that in spite of the number of all the good material gifts you might get, or maybe you've already gotten, only one is eternally satisfying. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And my prayer is that you have repented of your sin and that you have turned to God in faith to receive this free gift of God that is ready to be received by faith. Faith that he is the Messiah who has come, the one who the prophecies foretold, faith in all that he gave for us to redeem us out of our lost condition, faith in his work being sufficient to satisfy the wrath towards our sin. And faith that he will one day return and take us home to himself. And I hope that you came here tonight, um, if you came here tonight, (laughs) on autopilot like we talked about, that some way you were just kind of getting lost in the festive and sentimental motions of the season, that this evening that it has caused you to consider some things, that we have considered who God really is, And what he has done to save us. And consider who we are in light of the holiness and the perfectness of God. Both apart from his grace, who we are. And then who we are in his loving hand as his child. And what it would be for anyone who does not know him as Savior and Lord to profess him tonight as Savior. If we don't just hold a candlelight service to check off a religious ceremonial box on our list. We come together to worship and honor the one who was from ancient of days purposed for our salvation. We worship him who is our salvation come. Christ the Savior is born. Come 
Let Us Adore Him. These are familiar hymn titles to us. But you will notice that some of the songs that we sing and will sing are not traditional Christmas carols. Many of the Christmas carols written indeed proclaim the gospel truth. I love many of them. But then, too, we can get lulled into autopilot and sing it more for the tune than actually considering the words that we're singing. So we challenge ourselves a little to step outside of that and just focus on the words of these songs that we are singing and the message that they contain. So I'm going to invite our worship team back up here to lead us in a couple more songs, but let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've written concerning this gift that you have given to us, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and that it is the gift that you brought forward, that he would come, that he would be you to us, that he would prove himself worthy of becoming the sacrifice for our sins because he would live perfectly, something that none of us could do because none of us possess the God-like ability, but only he could do it because he was God. And so we pray that maybe if the condition of our hearts has finally been exposed to us tonight, that your grace has moved upon hearts in a saving way that you would confront them in their sin and that they would confess before you that they are lost. They cannot save themselves. The wages of sin is death and the debt is coming due and we need someone to pay it for us. We don't want to be eternally lost. God, we thank you for the redemption that is in Christ Jesus and through him, through his shed blood on the cross. And so we pray that the one who might not know him would put their faith and their trust in his all-sufficient sacrifice and in his resurrection from the grave. We have to say this, we have to think on these things because we can't just sing about the baby who was born in a manger, but we must think upon what he came to do, and that was to redeem us, to restore a peace relationship between us and you, God. Thank you that our redemption is found in him, and we celebrate and rejoice that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. your God 
every pain and sorrow cease and reign now as our prince of peace rejoice rejoice Emmanuel rejoice rejoice Emmanuel Thank you. 